Today's episode is brought to you by Sadie Harper of Interior Harmony. So what is next for you? What is next for me? Actually, now I'm going to give you the paradox. I feel like there was so much internal conversation about what's next. And I, a lot of stuff was showing up for me that actually right now I am in the pause. Yes. And I am embracing everything. I was working so hard to get there. Mm-hmm. So I'm in that. There is in the Sesame Street. I want to go there. So they send him there. And they said, okay, thank you for coming here. It's like, but I don't want to be here. I want to be there. So I'm in that there. And I learned that maybe once in a while we need to be there where we wanted to be and, and just celebrate and sit still. So that's where I am right now. I, I challenge myself not to think about the one next. I know it sounds I crazy. I love that. No, like I, wanna, I love I want to freeze that little snippet right there <laughs> and just, that should be broadcast every morning. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. I am Jenny Mitchley. I'm Sarah Madras. And this is a show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. And today in the studio, my dear. Noah Ronan. I met Noah on a, I think it was on a networking event, or I saw her speaking somewhere, and I started looking her up, and I was like, oh shit, we gotta get the, we gotta have her on. <laughs> I read her website, and I was sure? like, that was legitimately, I was like, we gotta book her, and then I was gonna talk to Sarah about it, and then I saw that we literally have no spots left for three months, and I was like, oh shit, here, take this, we have one spot left. <laughs> you're gonna take it, I'll, I'll, I'll clear you up with like, Sarah later. You were like, you're gonna bump people, you're yeah. like. <laughs> like, it's cool, we gotta get her on. Noah is from Israel. Originally. Originally. She's, uh, she was in the Israeli army because that's a thing what? in Israel. <gasps> You're like, oh, on NCIS. I ramble. <laughs> no, on NCIS. What is her name? Oh, my God. Listeners, well, comment and so tell her name is. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, because in Israel, it's a requirement when you turn 18, you have to be in the army. What? You mm-hmm. didn't know that? Yeah. I did not know that. But it doesn't mean that you fight. Right. You just have to enlist. Yeah. What does it mean then? You have to be for two years in the army and I was actually in the training space. So it was awesome. Interesting. Yeah. So what exactly are they training you on? Are they training you though to kill people? (laughs) What's happening in the training? So it's actually funny because today I'm executive coach and leadership coach and I didn't know that. But then what I did is was actually doing coaching for officers. That is fascinating. I, I taught them how to stand in front of their people when they say after me, it's serious. So that was my job. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. It was but, a lot yeah, of Yeah, they fun. do. They teach you how to shoot a gun and they <clears throat> teach you how to like be an infantry. Please tell me that that is on your website, no, no, on the <laughs> bio. Like, no, that takes you up a notch. That is badass. Yeah. I mean, it's basic training. Like yeah, every other I, basic. Yeah. And then. Yeah. But that's, that's an admin job. It wasn't like I was right, fighting. Right. Oh, I don't want to make myself. Like, but yes. You have to serve for two years. It's part no, of that. But she was training. Like she was the coach and a leadership development trainer, basically. Mm-hmm. For officer training. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. When they were already officers. Mm-hmm. So it was a job in process. And by the way, today it's like your kids and my, I have a senior now. One of my three kids is a senior. Um, thinking what he's going to do with my life. One Mm -hmm. of the options I told him, you don't have to go to college. You can go to the Israeli army. They would embrace you. It's a thing in Israel. You you really try to think what you're going to do in the army. A lot of kids want to go to the cyber. Oh, yeah. To the cyber units. Because when they are done with their army service, they get paid crazy amounts. They are the guys in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. So... It's a return on investment. Yes. I'm so fascinated. I know. My sister-in-law is from Kiryat Gal. She's from... Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Very close to where I lived in Israel. Oh, yeah? (laughs) 20 minutes. Everything is... It's like here. Everything is 20 20 minutes. 20 minutes. minutes. (laughs) The country is like this big. So it's a little country. Yeah, Um, the whole Israel. We do a lot of noise, but we're such a small country. I love that. When did you move from Israel to the U.S.? So 15 years ago, we moved for a job opportunity for my husband. He's in the IT business, and we moved for relocation two years, and now 15 years after, we're wow. still here, citizens with three kids. They're then babies, now they're vicious teenagers. 
<laughs> and in Israel, I worked in human resources training, development, and I had kind of like an executive role already. And then I moved to the U.S. and no one really cared about my experience. And, and that's like where my story shifted and I mm-hmm. had to recreate my life, not before I made everyone's life miserable, including myself. So talk about yeah. that a little bit. I was going to say, yeah. tell me more about that. <laughs> and that was an amazing intro into <laughs> this part of the story. Good segue. Here we are. Yeah. So the deal is that since I was a really little girl and maybe you ladies experienced that, I remember in the playground, I would, I, I felt I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that I'm a leader. I, I knew I had the ability to influence. 24, I would sit in rooms, in corporate rooms with CEOs of big companies in Israel, okay? Mm-hmm. Big companies in Israel. And I had no fear talking there. Mm-hmm. I knew that I can influence as a change management consultant. I, I just, officers in the army, right? Nothing scared me. Maybe it's because my father was a scary person, but nothing scared me. And I knew I'm an influencer. And suddenly I get to the US and my forte rich vocabulary in Hebrew. I know how to speak. I know how to roll the room. Mm -hmm. And and suddenly I don't have that. And I felt handicapped. Mm. I'm I'm just going to interrupt you for a second. So was there, was it an issue of how you were perceived by the people with whom you were speaking? Or was it literally like you had a shift internally that was like, I can't, I'm not that same person anymore. I am not good enough. The story of the not good enough. My English is not good enough. And just that you will understand, in Israel right now, part of the cool thing is to speak part Hebrew, part English. All the companies, you send emails in English. So it's not like I came... Well, they teach not, it in school. Yeah, you stay in school. <laughs> most <laughs> of the material, yeah. when you go to college, everything is in English. So it wasn't like I came not knowing to speak English, but it's a different skill mm-hmm. to live and, and work in English. And I felt like I'm stupid. Mm. And it was in my way for a long time. I would go to interviews. I was in human resources, so I knew how to interview people. I knew all the right actions. But internally, I would tell myself, they will never hire me. Mm. They will never hire me. And I was stuck for a long time from being that getting done woman. I became that person that don't see results. And that's hard. Yeah. That's really hard. Yeah. Mm. And so what, so you, in the process, you were making your husband and your children miserable. Is that what I, is that what I have to understand? <laughs> yeah. In because, that learning process? Yeah, because he has his job. We moved for his job. So he's flourishing. He, in Israel, most of the time I even earned more. I, I, I had an income that was higher than him many times. So suddenly I, it's like, what's going on? I became that woman taking care of the children. It's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong. I, I had moments in my life when I chose to be a full-time mother, but that was not that moment. Mm-hmm. I, I was in, on the momentum and I didn't oh, want to stop that. Mm-hmm. I just love how you just said that. It I, wasn't that season for that. I had yeah. these moments in my life when I made the choice to be a full-time mother and that was not the moment that I made that choice. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And again, it wasn't like I didn't choose to move here. Mm-hmm. So no one grabbed me, right? right like in my hair and right. say, I'm moving here. <laughs> but I became the victim of the story. Mm. And, and I think that's sometimes what we do. And I lost that internal uh, belief that I had that everything is going to be fine. I would always say, everything's going to be fine. I was managing huge projects. Everything got messy. And I would say, everything's going to be fine. My husband used to laugh at me. And I lost that sentence. I realized a few years after, reflecting back, oh, that's I'm so not saying that sentence mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. 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 And it's, it is very interesting because that's one of the, what's that Marie Forleo book? That everything is figure outable. Yeah. That's something that yeah. like her mom used to say to her. And that's something, mm-hmm. and before the book came out, like I say that to Scott all the time. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. We always do. Mm-hmm. Something yep. happened. Like, that's we'll figure how, it out. That's how I'm built, too. And Matt is not in. Matt is in where you were in, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. and he's, but what if the an asteroid falls on the house and we all like that? He's, right. he's, I feel like I run in a circle. The anxiety ridden panic, you know, what if circle that's like the then I can get out of that. So for me, it wasn't the future, really. It wasn't. It was I wanted my past. And it took me a long time when I got into coaching and I will tell you in a moment how I got out of it. But 
it was I was stuck in my past, not in my future. So some people are stuck in their future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it was like, I, I wanted what I had there. Oh, y'all, this is so good. <laughs> All right. i love that because i've never heard it said that way and Mm -hmm. for you all that shift that you said where you were walking into boardrooms or into Mm -hmm. interviews and you were no longer that person you used to be it was because your mindset was stuck in i want to i want the past that i had i want Mm -hmm. the life that we had over there yeah and it's what's so interesting is you could have had that here if you would have gotten out of your own way and shifted your mindset. Exactly. Or not, yeah, not moved into you that mindset it. of not right. enough. You said it. Yeah, and yeah. that's exactly what I'm talking about today. I call it the being energy. So I say that we all have being and doing energies, mm-hmm. and the doing is the action. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I was action-oriented. I was the doer, the project manager. Give me big project. Give me to run a conference. Just wham, bam. Yep. It's really easy for me. But I was missing that the idea that I have a story there, that I have thoughts that limit me, that I have emotions that overflow me. Mm-hmm. And I now I can say that. Then I didn't know that the being, what I call the being, is the mindset and yep. the emotions. And it can also be aspirations, by the way. Right. It's not always bad, bad, but I call it the being force. Because when you're in the momentum, it takes you to the sky with your actions. But when you are in that negative space, it's makes you stuck. And that's what people don't realize. And if we don't learn to pay attention to that force, we get really stuck. And it's not about doing is bad or being is bad. It's learning how to engage them together. Yes. And that's what I didn't know what to do then. Learning how Uh, to engage them together. And I just had that exact conversation with a client yesterday because he was like, why does this keep coming up? He's, I'm doing all the work. I'm. He's like, why is yeah. that limiting belief still there? He's like, I'm doing the cord cutting. I'm doing the, yeah. he's like, I'm doing. And I was like, because it's not time to do. It's time to be. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. and that's, you know, and, and that's, that's a lesson I, I have to learn too. My Valerie tells me all the time. She's like, Sarah, stop doing and just be. I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's why we get frustrated. Why we pay to all those amazing problems, all, uh, all those programs with the big money. <laughs> yes. And, and nothing changes because the being energy is stopping us. Yep. Yeah. So what was really helpful for me, and it was just in a really low moment of deciding to take an exam of a certification for human resources. And I took it twice. I learned for it for six months and I didn't pass it. And by the way, I didn't say that before, but I think I was sabotaging myself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And the second one, I was like, I mean, six we could tell points. you that. Yes, I know. You I were was sabotaging like, yourself. We totally agree. <laughs> as soon as she was like, I didn't pass, we're like, well, duh. Of course you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was six points. If you needed 400, I was six points from passing it. I was right. sitting there in the room, low moment, midtown Manhattan. Then I was living there, going outside, going to Burger King, like the lowest moment in my life. And then I called my husband and I said, it's time for me to stop bumping my head into the wall. Mm-hmm. I'm done with the past. And I came back home and I started blogging. And I started blogging about being an Israeli mom in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It was in Hebrew, not mm-hmm. in English. Mm-hmm. But then something amazing happened. First, now I know that it was emotional outlet because mm-hmm. I was able to write all my emotions there yep and share them in a humoristic way mm-hmm. that people got connected with because I was vulnerable there and I was yep. sharing what does it mean to be an Israeli mom in the US where in Israel you never tell a child you have to share. It's all about, it's mine. There is no thing about you have to share. Like it's fine to it's, not share. We hey. get in trouble or we pre-COVID, we would get in trouble with the daycare because so they would we would go pick you know the kids up and Oh, somebody had a hard time sharing today. And I'd be like, "Mm -hmm. in our house, we don't have to share. (laughs) Yeah. There's your toys and the other toys. And then there's some communal toys and you still have to take turns, but you don't have to share. Yeah. Interesting. So there was a lot of observation and humoristic observation and people loved it and they start connecting with me. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting is that people ask me, how does it look like, how does it look to live in Brooklyn? Tell us more. And I said, cool. I have a business. I will Mm -hmm. start a relocation consulting business. Mm -hmm. And when I launched with the blog and the the business and people start hiring me at the same week, Israeli women from all around the U.S. called me and said, we saw your website. We're so stuck with our life. How did you do that? Can you coach us? Mm -hmm. And it was that 
universal moment. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You moved into action and the universe was like, here, you've now cracked the door. Well, she like, made the choice. Yeah. She said, I'm not going to bang my head on the wall anymore. Yep. And that choice, that decision yep. shifted everything. That was I the tiny it. crack. And then the universe was like, here, let me open the doors <sighs> they, for you. It rewards you. It's like, <laughs> there you, it want, is. you need proof that this is the right. right. Here's, Here's your validation. Here's your, yes. Mm-hmm. I love it. I feel like I'm going for a coaching session. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah so it was a calling, right? Mm-hmm. I, I had to listen. And it was interesting that the moment I stopped holding on yes. finding my my thing, I was just releasing and saying, I'm going to have a third child and then start blogging one night. I was afraid of so many things, but I launched my blog in 15 minutes. Those moments that you really yep. remember and moments like I had my 21st anniversary with my husband this week. And I said, what did we do last year? I, said, <laughs> I don't know. What did we do on Monday? Right? <laughs> yeah. So that's how I got into coaching. Uh, people saw in me something that I was not ready to see in myself, but I was ready to explore that. Mm-hmm. I actually thought coaching was a scam then, almost mm-hmm. 12 years like, ago. Some of it is. Some of it is. <laughs> some of it still is, even yeah. today. Yeah. Listeners, yeah. do your research. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Get certified, do yeah. the work. And what was interesting that later on, when I moved here to North Carolina, I was a program chair in part of the association of the coaching uh, coach, coaching uh, association, and I would introduce speakers and people reach out to me and say, you're so funny. Where can we hear you speaking? And the English thing came back and I said, come on, me with my English. And I was never afraid to speak in front of an audience, mm-hmm. but... So that's when I started like tapping into speaking and start speaking in conferences. And then people said, so where is the book? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the, the thing I'm most proud about is that I, I wrote the book and it's published. And just with the COVID, it was published about what I call beyond leadership. Yeah. Why for you, why <clears throat> is it that's the one thing you're most proud of? To write a book in your second language. That, you know, it's not an easy task. Mm -hmm. What I learned, by the way, is that the influencer in me is not because I speak fluent Hebrew or my rich vocabulary. The reason is that I create a special connection with people when I speak. I can be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and share it openly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in my very Israeli open way. Mm I let go of having an accent, even though I always say at the beginning of the, my talks, it's, I know there is a very urgent question right now in the room. Where is she from? <laughs> and I, I just take that out of the way because I want their mind to be focused on what I have to say and not thinking about where is their accent from. Mm-hmm. So it's more from focus on me rather than my, what you cannot understand. And yeah, so that's why... Yeah, I'm proud. And also writing a book is, is mm-hmm. a big accomplishment. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a journey. And I learned a lot through the journey, especially how to stay focused, mm-hmm. which is so hard today. What did you grow up learning that vulnerability was? Okay. So now we're moving to <laughs> therapy. Uh, well, because you've said vulnerability like four times <laughs> right. and that for really? you, it's yeah. easy to be vulnerable. So what did you grow up? I grew up in a house with a father that was an officer in the army. So we had to be, if he said we are leaving the house and and if, if you are an army child, I had a lot of people coming to me and saying, I had the same experience. If he said 8 a.m. in the car, you should be there at Mm 7.55 or you're going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in a very rigid house with a lot of rules. And one of the things I remember when I was a teenage age, I said, that's it. I am not crying anymore. I am shutting my emotions because I will never let my father win. Mm. And we're good friends today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it was that moment for, I think until I was 30, that my, I think when I had my emotions was totally closed, it was all actions. And, and that's where I feel like this relocation experience was so strong for me because it allowed me to connect myself with my emotions. Mm-hmm. And I was able to talk about a lot of things, like sharing this story, for example, but it wasn't really vulnerable. Gotcha. Uh, it was a game. Yes. Right? It was fake. 
And today I know how to do that. And I believe it's your ability to share stories, but that also bring the emotions mm-hmm. and talk about the stuff that is messy that no one else wants to talk about. So if everyone puts on Facebook that every, everything is beautiful, I will bring you the not beautiful. Mm-hmm. But it has to be mine. This is why I told you. I was like, Sarah, we have to like go look at her website. We have to have her on. Wait, never mind. I already booked her. (laughs) I'm not even waiting for you. Yeah. And, and, you know, people don't like the word. I I use the getting messy. I have a blog. I call Mm -hmm. it um, the the, the messy blog because I like to share those stories to, to show that we are real. Yeah. (laughs) Well, everything is perfectly imperfect, right? It has nothing to do with being picture Pinterest perfect. Like it's okay to fail, recognize failures as lessons and you can fail forward and you can pay it forward by sharing your lessons with other people and uh, learning how to be vulnerable. Because what I took away from your answer about your experience as a child and, and into your early adulthood was that what you thought was vulnerability was not actually real vulnerability because Mm -hmm. you were in a household where you followed rules and were always in action versus allowing yourself to just be. Right. Like she grew up that vulnerability was a lack of protection and her dad was protecting them from everything, Mm -hmm. which is why all the rules were the way they were. And then she realized where there is no vulnerability, there is no connection. And, and there's that. no growth. And as a teenager, it was like, okay, I don't want that. I want connection. And in order to have connection, there has to be vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you, how did you make that shift though? Because vulnerability is a skill, right? Like it's mm-hmm. something that is learned. You're not just like wake up and like, I am going to choose to be vulnerable today. <laughs> like, so how did you make the transition from not growing up where vulnerability was allowed, where it was seen as um, weakness, weakness yeah. and it was vulnerability was seen as well now you're exposed to danger mm-hmm. and you made that shift for yourself but then how did you what are the skills how did you build the skill of vulnerability i i really don't don't have a recipe i don't believe in recipes i, I you obviously really, don't bake much <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really trying to to think deeper about that question it's really interesting what mm-hmm. you're saying and and i think Brene brown she's the researcher of shame and vulnerability so i just from thinking about your question it's probably I had to go through the shame. Mm-hmm. I had to understand this real shame. So <laughs> there are some actions that you're taking and working for you. Okay. You thrive with them. That's what makes you get promoted, get clients, whatever. But then there is a certain stop or spot mm-hmm. that those actions don't work for you anymore. And you don't understand how come. It mm-hmm. worked for me until now. And for me, it was the speaking, the influencing. I just knew how to, to roll a room and suddenly I can't. Gotcha. And that's when the shame shows up. I see mm-hmm. that with leaders. I see that with executives. I just left my, my office this last week and I, I was with a woman that is like CEO, okay, in a huge corporate company. So much lack of confidence right now. Mm-hmm. And I left that conversation with her and I told my husband, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO or someone to just started your way. We all lack confidence and we all have fears. And I think I had to go through that experience of shame. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even what other people think about it, uh, about myself. It was what I felt about myself that I could find those emotions and be able to be 100% vulnerable with other people mm-hmm. and not taking the right actions that I thought make, make me vulnerable, mm-hmm. if it makes sense. Yes. But yeah, there is a certain point that what worked for you doesn't work anymore. You are in this new phase that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And you try, you take all those actions be, that you took before and suddenly it doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm doing everything right. Yeah. I'm How doing, come it and suddenly doesn't work? Putting mm-hmm. that value laden on what's like, I'm doing all the things. Yeah. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm yeah. doing, it's like a, a fictional construct that you've created in your brain of yeah. what it is that you should be. You have a case of the shoulds. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not good as the leader that was before me. Right. I, I was sh- their yeah. friend. Now I'm not supposed to say something because I'm their manager. Mm-hmm. I, all those different stories yeah. that we have. And, and then what people, it's or they are like me, they avoid 
taking some actions because it's really uncomfortable mm-hmm. or they rush themselves into actions. It's like you just see them that it, they are going to crash. Mm-hmm. You just see them getting into the car and they're going to crash. And then when they crash, they come to you and they say, okay, I, I mm-hmm. give I give in. Mm-hmm. So how did you learn to give in to the vulnerability? So you're talking about the story with getting to coaching? Mm-hmm. or The coaching was really the blog. Like people reaching out to me and calling on me. And I think there are different phases. So I can talk about the different phase. So by um, being her authentic or, self is the answer yeah. to that. I'm Sadie Harper, owner of Interior Harmony, offering interior design services for the Triangle area since 2009. I specialize in room plans and design style assessments for the room which just will not come together, customized to your individual tastes and budgets. I love mixing design styles and sourcing unique fabrics for one-of-a-kind custom upholstery, bedding, and window treatments. The end result? A room which looks and functions the way you want and need. Your home is your canvas. Show your style. To set up your consultation, email me at design at interiorharmony-nc.com. Did you have a coach? Because you said that you thought yeah, coaches were scams. I always, no, I didn't like seriously getting into coaching was because of those women calling. Mm-hmm. I didn't coach them because I knew I'm not going to coach someone without, I knew consulting training, mm-hmm. but so I, I got trained as a coach and then you start the process when you get, you start being trained, you, you work with the coach, mm-hmm. a lot of tears there, mm-hmm. a lot of tears. It was half therapy. <laughs> so yeah, that's, and I always work with a coach. If you want to work, do the work with other people, you have to do the work on yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Preach. Yeah, walk the talk. Yep. Reach. What has moving through this journey of coaching done for you as far as your marriage and your relationship with your kids? Yeah. So I think one interesting thing that happens is that from being that woman that is a task oriented doer, suddenly I became a bit of, you know, I got into the other side of spirituality, touching trees, mindfulness, <laughs> coach, trees. conscious. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so my husband said, you really changed. So we had to close that. It took time to find the balance because I was weird for him. And I, I never tried to coach him. Never tried to coach him. I how do you do that? I don't know how to not I just, do that. I, 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 oh, I'm a true, true believer <laughs> in, in boundaries in that area. And I will, I hate when people try to do that and they try to coach me without my permission. Right. I think it's horrible. Don't do that. If you hear me, don't do that. Right. Don't coach people without permission. So, um, there well, were, yeah. hold on one second. So if you're having a conversation with a friend and you ask them questions, right? Like I, I recently had a, a conversation with somebody who was really struggling mm-hmm. with the, the situation at hand. And I was going to ask her a question and, and she immediately got defensive. Mm-hmm. And was like, and justified her actions. And I was like, right. I wasn't going to do any of that. I just wanted to ask you if this is like, where did you, like, why do you think that you need to do all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it was just this, I'm like, I'm just going to ask you a question. Do you see that as, so, like, where's so that here line? Is, here is a little tip I'm going to give you. If you are in business, if you are like a friend, mm. uh, and also if you are a parent, is shifting the why questions with what. Mm-hmm. So that's my tip to you. It's not coaching. It's just moving it from why is analyzing and it's, there is something in why, when you think about what happens with kids, oh, yeah. when they ask why, they try to figure out the world. So when I get an adult, when I mature, that why become, I see the world from my perspective. And when I ask you the why, I believe that you should see the word world from my perspective too, or bring, let me understand why my perspective should change. Mm-hmm. And that's when people get into a defensive mode. Or trigger shame. Why mm-hmm. trigger shame? Yeah. And what is very exploratory. So just take the same question that you ask your friend. Mm-hmm. And, and if you take it with kids, when you come to a little chat and you say, why did you do that? What do they do? They say, I don't know, because they can't articulate it because their, their executive well, functioning is not well, an, immediate, an immediate change. That's the good place when they say, I don't know. But most of the time they will not say anything. They will look mm-hmm. down and, and, and be quiet Yeah, yeah. because they, you right away move into a defense. Mm-hmm. But now see if when I say, what made you do that? Mm-hmm. Or what happened here? Yeah. Or can yeah. you help me understand? I had, and I had one of those moments yesterday too, that I was talking with uh, my nine-year-old who was 
struggling over something and I couldn't understand what he was asking me. And all I kept doing was saying, can you help me understand that a little more? Great. Can you explain that for me a little better? I'm not quite understanding what you're trying to tell me (laughs) because we, and it's a conscious effort because instead of being like, why can't you just tell me, use your (laughs) damn words. What is that going to sink in? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But but there is a, a big difference between just being curious about the other person and trying to coach them. And I I put those boundaries with my family and my friends. I sometimes will tell a friend, can I ask you a coach question? Mm -hmm. And if they say no, thank you, I let go. And if they say yes, they gave me permission. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it might be with my husband when he comes with something from work and I will say, can I ask you a coaching question? Mm -hmm. So that's how you put the boundaries. But what I can say that it really taught me how to create different relationships with my kids. Because before it was very judgmental, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, why didn't you do that? You should do that. Yep. You should, right? And now it's why very- Why can't ex- you bring the plates <coughs> to the sink and throw your trash away in the trash can yeah. that's two feet away from your bed? Or just simply flush the toilet. <laughs> it's like, I found food fossils. <laughs> I'm like, why? What? That's disgusting. <laughs> By the way, I do use the Jewish guilt. I find oh, it works beautifully with teenagers. <laughs> it's a, yeah, yeah. It, it works. It works wonders on kids. By the way, Jewish guilt. It's oh my gosh, how could you do that to your mother? Right? Yeah. yeah. Can I'm really? I don't understand. I'm just trying to help you. <laughs> If you would, uh, my mother, my, my mother should teach a course, I think. Yeah. <laughs> there is that joke. Uh, you, you go to the movie. I will sit here in the dark. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, like, it's totally, it's a real thing. That's funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's funny. And it's one of those things that like, but you have to use it strategically. Yeah. Right? Because then they just resent you if you don't use it strategically. Well, and then you're just watering it down. Yeah, yeah we, we should do a whole course about how to work with, <laughs> with teenagers because I can play the game and they don't know that. It's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> That's so funny. So if there's, we do not have teenagers. I have an almost um, double digiter, but we don't have teenagers. Oh, that's, yeah. So we still have the, the younger ones. So what, what should we know? Um, <laughs> right puberty. Now. You have yeah. teenagers, Joe. Joe has teenagers. He's quiet. He knows he should be quiet because if his kids will listen to that, it's like, yeah. <laughs> You're afraid of them. When you become teenagers, you just like, stay away from me, vicious kids. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just know that 10, 11 is very emotional. Very much. It's like, they look like psychos. They laugh <sighs> and they cry at the same time. It's, like, <laughs> <sighs> it's, it's fun. One of the, the things that I think the coaching allowed me to see differently is to realize that when they have all those dramas, mm-hmm. the big emotions dramas, I used to take it very personally. Like, how can you do, like that mm-hmm. Jewish girl, how mm-hmm. can you do that to your mother? Right. And, and not telling them, just feeling that. Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. A burden on me and one day I I always like to bring a new perspective right not, not to stay you get stuck right. so look at it differently and I realized that their ability to have those tantrums those emotional moments to yell at me the release yeah it's their I, it's their I safe am, space I, exactly mm-hmm. I'm their safe space mm-hmm. and that's where I said okay if that's what uh, I, that's they trust me to be their safe space mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. And that's when I stop taking that personally mm-hmm, and be mm-hmm. upset with them. It's not like it's fun, right? but it, it didn't touch me the same way it used to yep. before. Yeah. Yep. Um, and yeah. Scott and I have had to have those conversations about like, you have to, right. does it matter how it's done as long as it gets done? Right. If the room is cleaned all the while, the screaming and yelling exactly. and I'm stomping. And the only, my only thing is like when the, um, there's no, a lot of noise when emptying the dishwasher, you can just can't do it when your sister's still asleep. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to have those conversations about like, de- like where, what hill are you going to die on? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be that it gets done and it's not the way right. that you would do it? Yep. That's what I say to Matt. I'm like, we won. The dishes are done, dude. Who cares if he right. like, the whole time he was doing it. Yeah, I think there was one. The goal was still met. And there's, yeah. yeah, there's one weekend Scott was away and Nicola, this was a couple of years ago. So he couldn't have been more than like seven, I think. And um, he had to clean his room and he literally took six hours to do it and cried and complained the whole time. And I just every now and then went in and would ask if he needed help with anything. And, and Scott came home the next day. He's always oh, room cleaning. And he's like, did you do it? And I said, no, I just let him do it. Mm-hmm. 
And he's really, I was like, it took him six hours. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and he cried and he moaned and he whined, but he did it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like he had to walk through that process himself. Yep. And it is, it's a, it's also challenging when you have a partner who has a different parenting style. So yeah. like you have to, you have to recognize that there may be those conflicts and there may be the times when you need to ask the question, like, can I ask you a coaching question? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm, what I'm observing right now, maybe <laughs> could be handled differently. <laughs> So I, can you accept influence? That's one of the things that we say a lot in our house is the ability to accept influence. And that's what we got from John Gottman workshop where, Mm -hmm. and especially here in America. So you guys let me know because culturally is you don't accept influence. Like it's very patriarch society, but Gottman's, Hey, y'all, the women have the, their finger on the pulse. Like they know what's going on. So the men who are able to accept influence from their female partnerships do a lot better and go a lot further in their lives are easier because you can't see when you're hovering, like you can't see your own stuff or your mm-hmm. own. And so they're like the ability to be able to accept influence of, hey, I'm noticing this. Mm-hmm. Are you open to accepting my influence of receiving that perspective? Like mm-hmm. you said. Yeah, and I can tell you that with our older son, we we parent him very different than the little one, which mm-hmm. I call him my coaching child. Mm-hmm. And truly. And uh, there was a lot of punishment and a lot of stuff that when I look, yells and it wasn't the best. And and after going through some, there is a wonderful resource if people want to check Arbinger Institute and they have a beautiful book. They have a lot of different books, but one of them is The Anatomy of Peace. Mm-hmm. And it's a wonderful book for parents and conflicts and anything you do in your life. And I went, I decided to go through their uh, training first. And I don't take a lot of certifications like many coaches, but that was the essence for me of everything, of how you create relationships. And what it made me realize that everything we do with our older son is wrong. And the one thing he needs is to know that he's being loved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's when started the conflict between me and my husband. Mm -hmm. Because I said, I'm I'm not going to go with the same way we used to. And that's where a split started. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize that when it happens. But a few years ago, I came to him and I say, I apologize. Because in that moment, I created some kind of, I isolated you Mm -hmm. in a way. By me choosing to go in a different direction, I isolated you in a way from the kids. So sometimes it happens. You don't realize being, you know, still good friends in other areas. But in that area, we couldn't agree. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how did you move through that? Is it got into a place where my husband said, okay, but don't come complain if it doesn't work. And I said, okay, I'm taking that on me. And then my husband starts complaining, which he hates people who complain. And then I said, I'm not complaining. Mm-hmm. So right now are you complaining? Mm-hmm. And that's where, where we ended the, the conflict. Mm-hmm. And it, with kids, it's a long road, right? It's not like you, you choose a path and things work right away. Mm-hmm. But that was the most important thing for me, that my son will know that we love him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes you, you start together the path and then there are some areas that you choose not to go together, but you figure it out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you also look back and you say, you know what, uh, I still believe in the way, but by believing in that, I did hurt you mm-hmm. and I want to apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's when you ask me where coaching showed up. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would be able to do that. Mm-hmm. 15 years ago and mm-hmm. say, me? Apologize? Never. Right? <laughs> may or may never have had that thought. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, but yeah, I will I never apologize. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because going back to the whole like guilting thing, because it's a thing, mm-hmm. the Jewish guilt and the, I think it's like a, there's the Jewish mother, the Greek mother, the Italian mother. It's those cultural, like mm-hmm. where the matriarch really is the, the one with her finger see, on the pulse. Yeah. I married yeah. a damn Italian. And then I wouldn't have this dynamic going on. <laughs> I know that is the, that is the root cause, Sarah. <laughs> just have to be honest here but there's something there is something to be said so my mom is like our biggest fan here on the podcast Mm -hmm. Um, we actually had them on a few episodes ago and hi jenny's mom yeah (laughs) so she's listening so i like i feel like i now because i'm hearing her like guilt me in my head and i have to go back and be like mom i'm sorry i made that comment that you could write a course about the mom the jewish mom guilt because you're a wonderful jewish mother but it was funny because all of like I had friends and you can, no, 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 this is relatable. I had friends in high school who would literally walk in the door and say, I just want water. 
because she would literally break out these platters of cookies and make these like giant breakfasts of, you know what I mean? But they would literally walk in the house and say, I just want water. And then they would feel bad, but they had to work themselves up to that because you don't want to like, you don't want to say no and you don't want to disappoint. Yeah. And there's this very interesting dynamic that happens. So how do you avoid putting that on your kids? So actually what's interesting about, so just to give the context, the, the Jewish, it's a lot like the Italians and all the Mediterranean mm. um, cultures. It's a lot around food. All the holidays yeah. are around food. It, it's like a big deal. When you come to Israel, I didn't realize that, by the way, ga- culture gaps. When you go to an Israeli dinner in Israel or like brunch, there's a ton of food on the table. Like if there are 10 people, there's going to be a food for a, a wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Here. Okay. So it's crazy. Mm-hmm. The the variety and how mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that we invited a couple for for Israeli brunch. And I made so much food that the husband that she was my friend and I met the it was his first right. time meeting us. Yeah. And he choked. He he was so <laughs> overwhelmed with the amount of food on the table. A real story, I'm not kidding. <laughs> He was like, we're just two people. Why there is so much food on the table? And so, yeah, yeah. It's, no, and that is a real thing too. And now and I make, I like make third. Every time I have a plan when people come and I say to my husband, okay, I'm going to make this and I'm going to make that. And he's like, Noah, third. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, cut so it. that's why I usually go and I start, I make my list and then I cut it by 50%. That's so yeah. funny. Like, cut it by, so, yeah. So true. Yeah. yeah. But now uh, what's interesting, another life story is that, um, my daughter has some health issue that requires her to eat in a very specific diet that is very limiting. Mm-hmm. And it shifted the whole family system mm-hmm. because when you go on trip, you can go to a lot of restaurants. You need to, to be in a mm-hmm. house where you have a kitchen and we have to make sure she can have the food that she needs. And it impacts everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it impacts when you host people. Mm-hmm. So my relationships with hosting and the food being in the center, mm-hmm. I, it was a, a, a kind of one of those things of giving in. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, I learned how to make everything beautiful. So sometimes you will see on social media all this clean food that I make from no sugar, no gluten, no eggs, no everything. And how you make this beautiful sixteen uh, sweet 16 cake with right. all those mm-hmm. no's. And so it actually becomes like fun. Mm-hmm. I, I can do it's that. A challenge. A challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it definitely impacts everything when you think about hosting people and how you, that relationship around food and culture of how important it is when you believe that food creates all those beautiful experiences, right? And it's also that connection around the table. Yes. And it doesn't matter, friends, family, whatever, there's always like that connection around the table and just food happens to be at the center. And so the finding those ways that you can still relate even with yeah. restrictions is a huge, overcoming that challenge is a huge accomplishment. Yeah, and there was some grief there, right? Yes. And and you can see that many times with people that no sugar, oh my God, grieving the sugar. Uh, so there was a lot of grief there. And I remember one day telling my daughter, what? It's, it's just food. And, right. and, and it wasn't really for her, it was for me when mm, I was saying yep. that. Yeah. And, it, and you weren't even grieving the sugar. You were grieving the emotion that underpinned the experience of that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because for yeah. me, food is not the food itself. It's the experience Correct. that is being created in the right. room. Mm-hmm. And that uh, the service is the love. Exactly. It's creating all that food and serving it and, yeah. and creating that connection mm-hmm. and that opportunity. Because if you're somebody who enjoys entertaining, especially, thanks, COVID, mm-hmm. how are you going to express that love language? Yeah. Can't. And when it, then it's further limited by, yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Already, are we ready for the Yeah, we're going to segue. Okay. So uh, we do this thing on the Girls Who Do Stuff called the lightning round. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, sure. And we are going to rapid fire questions at you. Um, and then you just answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. Although we will give you a moment to translate and then translate back. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just want to say, I feel like I'm part of an Avengers movie. So yes! thank you. <laughs> yes. That's my favorite line. So like, that was something that I had to learn. Like I worked with a, a physician's assistant, uh, a physician's assistant who was from, who was Portuguese or she was from Brazil. So she spoke Portuguese, but she said that I talk too fast. And my sister-in-law complains of that 
all that time. I was in New York for eight right. years. Yeah. So, but my sister-in-law would be like, I can't, my husband's too loud and I talk too fast. But so the woman from Brazil with the Portuguese was like, you talk so fast and you have to give me an opportunity because I'm translating it into Portuguese in my head and then translating my answer back to English. And you have to give me time to think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so ever since then, I have become more cognizant with those who English is not their first language yeah. because I'm like, I have to slow down my the way that I talk. And I realized that I had to slow down because in New York City, they speak so fast, but people couldn't understand what I was saying with my accent. Right. So I, <laughs> okay, that's yeah. fine. We'll go okay. on. All right. What is the number one thing on your bucket list? New Zealand. Ooh. I want to go there too. Mm, I may want to move there. Me saying. too. I've thought of it. That prime minister. Yeah. Yeah. I want to meet her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's She's really, inspiration. That's, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. What is your number one favorite place in the world? Oh, that's good. Brooklyn. I'm so in love with Brooklyn. I love walking there in the streets. Mm. I'm, I'm, there is a mo- it's interesting, right? I didn't have the easiest time there. I just love Brooklyn. You love the uh, energy. The Bro- especially the- Brooklyn Bridge. That's mm-hmm. my, there is something there. A lot of memories and mm-hmm. bridge between the past and the future. Mm-hmm. All those. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Very deep. Mm-hmm. What is the uh, best piece of advice you've ever been told? <laughs> my father don't ever see a professional as the uh, stamp. It's that the reason that they have the title doesn't mean that they know everything. Yep. So question the professionals. Yep. I learned that through my daughter's health. Mm-hmm. They don't know everything. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was powerful. Deep. That was. That I was. love that, that one. Uh, <laughs> if, <laughs> what is something that no one knows about you? Oh, I'm such an open... <laughs> I was able to lie to officers in New York City because of my blue eyes. Everyone can think I am, I can say the truth with my blue eyes. I know how to play. <laughs> That's fantastic. There is something about me saying and then doing that. You can see in white, there is no video. It's like that blink, like you see in those uh, cartoon movies with the oh, blue eyes. eyes. Yeah. And, and then they just believe me. That's so awesome. <laughs> Shh, is there an arrest story in the there ca- the, the carry police people don't know that <laughs> <laughs> don't tell them please do not send this podcast to the carry police <laughs> okay. oh that's so good who are the people that challenge you people that see things differently that when i say something they say how can we see that simon sinek if you know that yes. guy the why start just with why every, start with the why Every time he brings the, those different perspectives. So I love that paradoxes. Give me a paradox. I am excited about that. Do you like to solve puzzles? Not really. No? I, I do puzzles now with the COVID, listening well, to that, books. What, like, like you problem mean like solving? Problem solving, no. Nah, Solution finding? Nah. You just hear about the paradox. I, I like to play with the paradox. I like to create a different, it's not like those newspaper mm-hmm. uh, puzzles, but I like the puzzles in my, when I run, I like try to solve those paradoxes and, and mm. yes. Yeah, so for me, those people are really, cha- they challenge me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as poke, provoke. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yep. They, and then, then, then they become change agents. Yeah. It's fun for me having those conversations. I'm not like defensive. It's yeah. Let's keep that. Awesome. And so how do you unwind? Unwind. Uh, I love running. Or just right now, um, just sitting with my husband, drinking whiskey, bourbon, actually, and not seeing my kids around. Yes! (laughs) There is something as too much togetherness, people. Uh, Too much togetherness. Yes, we have reached that point. I love them. If they will listen to that, they won't. I can say that. If your life uh, had a theme song, what would it be? Oh, I have no clue. Yeah, there are some albums here. Mm. There is like, hey, there is that song with Lou Reed. Hey, then I'm not good with the words. Take a, take a, turn on the right side, something like that. Yeah, he's, he's looking for Yeah, <laughs> Joe's the music hey, man. Babe. I'm like. Take a, take a something on the, the other side. Oh, yeah. Wow. You got there. That was. I did. Was- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I have so to she thing, said, hey, babe, yeah. and I was like, there it is. Yeah, Take I can't remember song. words of songs, mm-hmm. so I can. That's a very mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. And if your life was a movie, who would play you? 
Stop telling yourself that limiting uh, belief. Gal, let, let's go with Gal Gadot because oh, she's yes. so beautiful. The Wonder yes. Woman. She's Israeli, so just, just. I didn't even know that. Oh, Wonder Woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah, I would love to be so beautiful like her. You think I'm beautiful like her? That's worth it. She's just, yeah. She's a tall drink of water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so what is next for you? What is next for me? Actually, now I'm going to give you the paradox. I feel like there was so much internal conversation about what's next. And I, a lot of stuff was showing up for me that actually right now I am in the pause. Yes. And I am embracing everything. I was working so hard to get there. Mm-hmm. So I'm in that, you know, there is in the Sesame Street, I want to go there. So they send him there and they said, okay, thank you for coming here. It's like, but I don't want to be here. I want to be there. Mm-hmm. So I'm in that there. And I learned that maybe once in a while we need to be there where we wanted to be and, and just and celebrate and sit still Mm -hmm. so that's where i am right now i i challenge myself not to think about the what next i know it sounds crazy like i I I want to freeze that little (laughs) snippet right there and just that should be broadcast every morning i want everybody to listen to so hard for me i'm such an ideator Mm-hmm. really in that stretching myself of just sit still, enjoy the family, enjoy all the clients that mm-hmm. come on your way, enjoy those amazing podcast interviews mm-hmm. that you can be a guest and connect with people and do that and enjoy the birds. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at now. I'm working on that because I'm always like, okay, I checked it off and now what's yeah. the next? And I'm really working on just sit savor be mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's a hard thing for i'm walking my talk of the being right? Yes. right yeah and where can people find you first name last name so it's noa it's a girl's name in israel it's not that guy with the age in the name in hala <laughs> and hanukkah so it's noah noa ronan r-o-n-e-n coaching noah ronan coaching or noah at all the social media it's mm-hmm. noah r coach noah mm-hmm. r everywhere just look for me with the Mostly I'm most vibrant on LinkedIn if you want to see the videos and stuff and the the on-the-run videos. Your LinkedIn game is strong. Thank you. Yeah, it's very good, yeah. Yeah, I have now on-the-run with my son, with my coaching son, Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. really fun watching those. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I've enjoyed them. Yeah, thank you. Anyway, so thank you so much for being here today. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. The time has flown by. It has. (laughs) Thank you. We have to to hang up now. Yeah. Um, This is a lovely conversation. (laughs) Find us wherever you listen to your podcast. Go rate us, review us, because that helps other people find us. Girlswhodostuff.com. You can visit us there. And on all the social media, Girls Who Do Stuff. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And and you you do you, you, boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media.